Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be focusing on safer bed sharing. New parents are constantly being told that putting their babies to sleep in bed with them is risky behavior that should be avoided. Despite this, bed sharing has doubled in the past two decades. To guide us through this conundrum, I'll be talking with a very knowledgeable Teresa Pittman. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you with the first eight days of being a mom, a day-by-day manual on taking care of the new mom as well as her newborn. Get a 10% discount by going to thefirst8days.com slash birthful. That's with the number eight, thefirst8days.com slash birthful. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, mamas and mamas-to-be. Let me tell you how happy and honored I am that Teresa Pittman is here to walk us through safer bed sharing, because if someone knows about this issue, it's her. Teresa has written thousands of magazine articles on parenting topics and is the author or co-author of 17 published books, including some titles you will certainly recognize, such as The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding, Dr. Jack Newman's Guide to Breastfeeding, and more recently, Sweet Sleep. She's helped breastfeeding mothers and babies for 35 years as a La Leche League leader, and she's also the mother of four children and the grandmother of six. Teresa, welcome. Thank you. So happy to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Great to talk about this. Mm -hmm. So... One of the things, I, I was lucky to hear you talk at a conference recently, and one of the, your phrases that stuck with me is that sleep happens. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. And, and so, we, you know, mothers need to be prepared for that. Um, that's one of the reasons that we, we want to talk about this uh, in our book is because, you know, often the people who are talking about sleep issues with new mothers are saying, you know, you should you should do this. You should nurse your baby and then put the baby down here and then do this and, you know, all these things that they want the mother to do, but they're forgetting how tired mothers are and that they are going to fall asleep. And and you can't always sort of follow all these, these plans and steps because you're tired. And breastfeeding makes you sleepier. Yeah, and life with a newborn is hard. Yeah, very hard and very tiring. <laughs> so much. So tell us, what are the key things that parents need to know then um, when it comes to bed sharing? Okay, so, I, you know, I think what's happened is is, is people who have taught in pub, the public health field who have talked about bed sharing have wanted to have one very simple me- message. And so they tend to advise all mothers not to bed share. But the reality is more complicated and, and nuanced than that. And the bed sharing, when we really look at the research, and in writing the book, we spent a couple of years looking at the research, um, there certainly are situations where bed sharing is much safer than others. Um, so we came up with the, the safe sleep seven. So we had sort of seven factors um, that mothers... N- need to be aware of that can help them uh, decide if base, if bed sharing is a good, safe option for them. Um, 
and there's three of them for the mother, three for the baby, and one for your bed situation. So the three for the mother are that the mother needs to be sober, and that means not um, not just al- not drinking alcohol, but also not taking any medications that might make her um, might impair her awareness, uh, make her too sleepy, so that she's not aware of where the baby is. Um, the second one is that she not be smoking because smoking around a baby and, and with the baby as close as they are in the bed increases the baby's risk significant, significantly um, and that the mother be breastfeeding because the research has found that mothers who are breastfeeding position themselves in the bed differently than mothers who are not breastfeeding. And, and the positions that breastfeeding mothers choose are much safer for the baby than if you're not breastfeeding. I don't know if you want me to sort of describe that, but I can. Oh, um, sure, but I have a question sure. um, for you beforehand um, <laughs> in terms of the, because uh, all of these things. You get you're... me started on this and I can just go. So. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but as uh, I wanted to first go back to number two um, sure. with the smoking. And yep. is it just that the mother shouldn't be smoking or does it, do you know if it having the environment where maybe a partner smokes or somebody else, another caregiver smoke, does that affect it? Absolutely. You know, any exposure to smoke um, affects the baby's risk of dying of SIDS. So if, if you have a partner who's smoking, um, the baby should not be sleeping near that partner. If you have uh, you know, a, a babysitter, daycare provider who's smoking, the baby should not be sleeping near that person. Um, and, in, you know, being exposed to, to smoke in daycare does increase the baby's risk. Um, it, you know, smoke turns out to be a really bad thing for babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but and for it, the adults, too. But <laughs> And for the adults, too. But, but certainly it increases the baby's risk quite a bit. So, And one of the things that's very interesting is that even if, you don't smoke around the baby. So say you smoke, but you make a point of always smoking outside and then come in and pick up your baby. The research has found that there's enough smoke that clings to your hair, to your clothing, that it still increases the baby's risk. Okay, so good to know that that's not so, just enough. Yeah, it, it really is. It's really a, so if you can, quit. <laughs> and if you can't, cut back as much as you can. Good. And then in terms of the positioning, so yeah, so, if you could describe that a little. Sure. So what the, the research found, and it's, it's really quite interesting that, you know, you wouldn't think that this would, that how you feed the baby would make this much of a difference, but apparently it does. The mothers who were breastfeeding positioned themselves so that they were on their side facing the baby with the baby, um, baby's head level with the mother's breast, and they would have one arm um, a, sort of above the baby's head, uh, often supporting their own head or under the pillow, and their knees up below the baby's feet. So the baby was kind of in this little protected area, um, and if the mother pulled the covers up, because the covers would be up on her shoulder because she was on her side, there would still be a big area there where the baby had plenty of air to breathe. It wasn't, um, the blankets weren't going to cover the baby's face. So this is really a very safe way to be um, positioned with the baby. What they found with mothers who were bottle feeding was that they more often had the baby up high in the bed, so closer to their faces, 
um, which is more dangerous because it puts the baby near the pillow. And if the mother pulls out the blanket, the blanket may go right on the baby's face. And the mother more li- was more likely to turn her back on the baby when she fell asleep. So this is not things people did consciously. This is just sort of how they instinctively positioned themselves. But the bottle-feeding mothers were more likely to roll over and have their back towards the baby, which is a bit more dangerous because they're less aware of what's happening with the baby, and there's a higher risk of them rolling back onto the baby. And so... So breastfeeding, uh, breastfeeding in itself reduces the baby's risk of, of SIDS, um, but these, the way the mother positions herself seems to reduce the risk of other um, problems in, uh, you know, suffocation happening to the baby in the bed as well. And was this positionings that happened automatically, or were these, you know, did you videotape, did the researchers videotape moms when they were asleep, or did they see them, how they moved together? That's exactly what they did. They videotaped the mothers sleeping. And so the, 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 the research didn't go in with any sort of preconceived ideas about how they were going to position themselves. Um, and they just videotaped the mothers and babies sleeping together and noticed that there was this distinct difference between how the mothers positioned themselves if they were breastfeeding or, or bottle feeding. That's so fascinating. So those, it is fascinating. It's, it's you know, there's... There's so much that goes on <laughs> that, you know, that depends on, you know, hormones and all kinds of other things. It's very interesting. Anyway, um, so that's the three for the mom. And then for the baby, the baby should be healthy. Um, the baby should be lightly dressed. We know that being um, overheated is a risk factor for SIDS. And you have to remember that when your baby is in the bed with you, it's, it's going to get extra warmth from, from your body. So you would want the baby to be just lightly dressed. And then the last one is that the baby should sleep on its back, just as in, you know, if the baby is sleeping elsewhere, sleeping on, the, on its back is safest. And when you're breastfeeding, that's usually pretty easy to arrange because typically a baby who's breastfeeding in bed is, lies on his side while he's breastfeeding. And then once he's full, he often will roll onto his back. It's very unusual for a breastfeeding baby to finish breastfeeding and roll onto his stomach. So, the, you know, it's sort of a natural thing for it to happen that they will roll onto their back once they're done. Or if they don't, if they stay on their side, it's pretty easy usually to just gently roll them onto their back. Um, and then the last thing is that you want to have a bed that is safe. And so that means that there's not a lot of extra pillows on the bed, you know, just the pillow for the mom or the partner as well, if, they're, you, know, if, you're, if you have a partner in your bed, um, that the sheets are tight, that the mattress is firm, uh, that you don't have heavy blankets on the bed, um, and that you have made sure there's not any gaps or, um, you know, places where the baby could get stuck. And in the book, we kind of go into quite a bit of, obviously every bed is going to be a little bit different and you're going to have to look at your own setup to see what will work for you. And we go into a a fair bit of detail about how to kind of make your bed safer if you're going to do that. And one of the things that we try to say to mothers is even if you don't plan to bed share, even if your plan is to always have the baby in a in a bassinet or crib, you should make your bed safe because the research shows that the vast majority of mothers end up having the baby in the bed sometimes anyway. So we see this as being just like childproofing. You know, you don't expect your child to 
go and drink the cleaner from under the kitchen sink, right? <laughs> it's not like it, it's not like that was part of your plan, but you you move it or you lock the door in some way just in case. And so we advise you to make your bed safe just in case um, you fall asleep sometime with your baby in the bed because the research says it's very likely that that will happen. Yeah, and because I sometimes hear of moms that are so scared of bringing their babies into bed with them um, that they end up sitting in a rocker, but because they're so exhausted, they fall asleep there with baby or they'll fall asleep on a recliner or, you know, other surfaces where it might be even worse. And in fact, that, you know, the research says that's been one of the unintended consequences of this, this strong statements against bed sharing is that they have had more babies coming into hospital because the mother was sitting on a chair, fell asleep, and the baby fell on the floor and was injured. So that's you know that you don't want that to be happening, for sure. And many mothers go to places. You know, we know that that a couch, for example, is much more dangerous. If you fall asleep on a couch or a recliner, that's much more dangerous than than um, sleeping with the baby in the bed. I see mothers too who will put their babies in a a car seat or in a swing, you know, to, to mm-hmm. have the baby yes. go to sleep in that. And those are also quite dangerous for babies to sleep in. Um, the angle that they have the baby at, research has shown that it, it restricts the amount of oxygen the baby is getting, which is not a good thing. <laughs> so those are dangerous too. So in order to avoid beds, the mothers are doing all kinds of things which are actually much more dangerous. And it, it is a big concern. And that's why many of the public health agencies now are saying it's okay to nurse your baby in bed, um, but then move the baby into a, a crib once you're done. Um, but we would say, if you're going to do that, prepare your bed and make it safe because chances are good that at least sometimes you're going to fall asleep with the baby there. Makes sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in case, make it safe. That's um, right. And does the firmness of the mattress come into play in this? So, yes, it is important to have your mat- a mattress that's firm. And there is actually, um, in the book, there's a, a little kind of a test you can do. And it, it, it's kind of hard to explain. But you, you stack up some, some um, DVDs and put that on the mattress and weight it down with um, a full uh, container of milk and see how far down those DVDs sink and how many are still showing. And that will tell you how soft the mattress is and if it's, if it's uh, too soft or, or if the baby will be okay. I mean, you know, the, your plan is that the baby is going to, again, this is just sort of, uh, sort of being extra cautious. The, the expectation is that the baby is going to be on his back, and so it, it's not a concern if it's very soft. But just in case the baby ends up on his stomach, you want to be sure that it's it's not too soft, so that the baby's able to to turn his face and 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 breathe if he ends up in that position. Okay. So that's why you have this test to make sure it's not too soft. And it's very hard to, you know, some people have said, well, pillow top mattresses are too soft, but some of them are not. Um, so you really kind of have to test your own mattress because they're, they are, they're all quite different. It's, sometimes it's surprising when it looks like it might be soft is actually fine. Okay. And you say in the book you have clear instructions on how to test On how to do that, yes. Perfect. Now, you also mentioned that 
um, one of the safe sleep seven is that baby is healthy. Now, does that mean healthy in general or like if he gets a cold, if baby has a cold, does that mean that for that until he gets better, he can't sleep on the bed? What we what we mean in terms of healthy, you know, a baby who is premature, for example, is more at risk because they're smaller and weaker and may have trouble. You know, if a blanket gets over their face, for example, it may be hard for them to move it out of the way. Um, and in terms of the baby being sick, that's the same kind of thing. So is your baby so weak from the illness um, that he's, he's not able to move himself or or get out of a situation if if he gets a you know say a blanket over his face for example um so that's what you're sort of looking for uh, a, a baby with a cold is probably just fine you know a cold is not going to make the baby that ill but sometimes the baby's on medication that makes the baby less aware um depending on on what the illness is or the baby is very weak, or the baby is very, very, you know, has a fever, is very hot, and and may get overheated being close to you. So you, you know, you need to sort of consider um, what those factors are. Okay. And does the age of the baby affect the recommendations at all? Well, it, it, only in that the older the baby is. Um, the less you need to worry about some of these things. So, so you know, if you have a, a six-month-old baby, you don't really need to worry too much about how soft the mattress is because, uh, you know, a baby at that age can quite easily lift his head, move his head, and, you know, get it clear of any kind of soft mattress. Um, in Another thing that is sometimes an issue, the research suggests that a young baby is safest next to the mother um, by the time the baby is around four to six months old, having the baby between the partner and the mother seems to be equally safe. Um, so it, it's the, the, so there are some things that change a bit in the age of the baby, but... Um, in you know, in general, mm-hmm, <laughs> they benefit mm-hmm. from it at all ages. I I would say. So these are all recommendations that can be applied from if baby's not premature and is healthy, from newborn. Yes. Yes. Which is tends to be the time that moms have a harder time staying awake and being able to you know baby doesn't consolidate sleep so there's no night and day, and it's just harder. Yes. I mean, that's absolutely the time when you kind of need it the most because you're so tired anyway, having just given birth and, you know, having to recover or or perhaps, you know, had a cesarean or something, having a lot to recover from. And your baby's nursing very frequently, which is normal and desirable. Um, But yeah, that's when you're, you're most likely to want to have the baby close to you at night. And the research shows that mothers who... Um, exclusively breastfed and uh, exclusively breastfeed and sleep with their babies get the most sleep, even more sleep than mothers who are formula feeding. Why is that? Well, the the reason is, is actually, and it's interesting, is it's not that their babies sleep more because their babies actually sleep less than the mothers who are formula feeding. But what they found in the research is that the mothers who are formula feeding have to wake up more. So 
you know, the baby gets hungry, the baby starts to cry, the mom has to get up, she has to get a bottle, she probably has to, you know, at this age, she would have to warm up a bottle, um, prepare it, bring it back, sit somewhere to feed the baby, feed the baby, put the baby down, you know, hope the baby gets settled, and then go back to bed. And it often, after doing all that, it takes her quite a while to fall back to sleep. She's really woken up. And so the baby's asleep, but the mother may stay awake for another half hour or so trying to get herself back to sleep. When the mother's breastfeeding the baby in the bed, the baby starts to fuss, the mother wiggles over, she latches the baby on, baby starts to nurse, the mother's barely woken up at all. She may doze while the baby's feeding, uh, the baby falls back to sleep, the mother goes back to sleep, and she, you know, they're sleeping almost at exactly the same time. So the 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 difference was not in uh, the babies in in terms of having more sleep the the breastfed babies actually had a bit less sleep because they woke more often but the um mothers actually got more sleep because they just didn't wake up as much so thank Makes you for sense. for breaking that myth because usually <laughs> the, like the common myth is the thought that the formula babies they might sleep more but the mom doesn't that's right yeah that's right interesting is, isn't it i mean it's, yeah so fascinating. Is there another big myth or misinformation out there that you think needs to be broken? You know, I think maybe if there's another one, it's that this will spoil your baby. And that if you, you know, if you sleep with your baby, um, if you, you know, if you don't sleep train your baby, that your baby will grow up to have sleep problems and, 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 will be spoiled and have all these issues. And, you know, there's all the research says it's absolutely not true that, um, you know, baby, in fact, there's evidence in the other direction. Um, children, there's some good studies that have found children who did sleep with their babies, um, sorry, children who did sleep with their parents <laughs> um, grew up to be less likely to have mental health problems um, to have, you know, more positive relationships. So, in, in fact, it doesn't seem to be, you know, the evidence is that it's not, not harmful at all and, in fact, seems to be beneficial. That's great. That's good yeah. to hear. And it, I think we're not trying to, you know, obviously choose for moms or, or tell them this is better than that in terms of sleeping, but just give them solid information so that absolutely they can... you know every every parent needs to make their own decisions about you know feeding their baby sleeping with their baby not sleeping with their baby all those kinds of things but i think it is really important and helpful for mothers to to sort of have some reliable information to make those choices on um you know you, often people just hear scary things like you know oh bed sharing is dangerous and they're not seeing the whole picture. There are situations where, where bed sharing is not recommended. You know, if you're someone who smokes, um, you know, drinks frequently, drinks a lot of alcohol, maybe is using some other drugs or medication, your baby is probably not safe in your bed. And, you know, there's, there's certainly groups of parents that that applies to. So, you know, you need to really look at your own situation and, and make the decisions that are right for you and your baby. I agree completely, and and we need to do this, which is give the moms the information so that they're not just scared into something. Um, but all hello? but really hello. 
Okay, so I think we lost you for a second, but now we're back. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Yay. Um, so, yeah, what other, we were talking about the myths that need to be broken. And is there any specific favorite tip, trick, or recommendation, um, any resources aside from your books that moms should be aware of? Um, yes, uh, certainly. I, I think I think the number one that we have already sort of talked about is is being prepared for it. Um, I, I would say another one is to uh, you know really understand that idea of being lightly dressed. That you're better to have you know some warmer pajamas on the parents um, and you know a little sleeper on the baby, and then just have a light blanket on the bed um, rather than sort of sleeping in the nude or something and having a heavier blanket. Um, so just think about dressing yourself and your baby um, and not relying on, on covers for, for keeping you warm. Um, sorry, I've forgotten now. The other thing that you were asking, oh, other resources. Yes, one of the resources is um, if, you, if you Google um, uh, Helen Ball, she has a number of, of sleep resources. And the other is Dr. Jim McKenna. So both of them have information online about their research. And uh, Dr. Jim McKenna has a book, um, a, uh, which and the name of it just escaped me now. But if you if you look for him, you'll find his book. Um, his is our book is very much aimed at parents, and his is a little bit more technical than ours, but it does have a lot of very useful information for parents. Uh, so it's another really good resource. And you guys kind of wrote these books together, or were working on them at the same time, if I remember right? Actually, Jim did his first. Okay. Um, but Jim definitely worked with us and, and you know, was, I, I don't know if consultant is the right word, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we were frequently in touch with him and talked to him a lot, and he, he read over all the chapters for us, and so we had a lot of input from him, um, and also from Helen, so... And some other people too. So we, we, you know, we really try to, you know, this is this is a topic that we knew could be controversial, and so we really uh, wanted to be sure that we understood the research, that we, you know, were listening to what um, other experts in this area were saying, and that they could help us interpret things and understand things. So th there was a lot of work into making sure that part was was accurate and you may not see all of that in the book because we really are trying not to be too technical but it's it's there it's the underpinnings of the book and it, so this is a good easy to understand book the one you've written and if yeah. parents want something more technical they can go look for Dr. Jim McKenna's book yeah that's what i would suggest definitely I think if I don't know if you have a minute, one of the other things that we do have some some information on in the book that I think is hard to find in other places is on some of the research about sleep training, mm -hmm. and you know the, there's a lot of sleep training programs out there and a lot of ideas about it, and often people what's out there is not supported by research, and we really talk about the research and and the risks of sleep training. We know that. Um, it is likely to create problems with breastfeeding. Um, we know that it creates a lot of stress for the baby, that the babies have high levels of cortisol, um, which is a stress hormone. 
and that the baby continues to be stressed even when it stops crying. So parents sometimes think, okay, well, the baby will cry for a few days, um, but then it'll stop crying, so now it's not stressed and everything's fine. But in fact, that's not what the research says. The research says that even though the baby stops crying, it continues to be stressed. And I think that's a, a very important thing for parents to know and understand uh, that this is, you know, that you're, you're really increasing some risk to your baby by doing that. And that's specific to cry it out methods? Yes, yes, to babies who are, who are, who are left to cry it out. Mm-hmm. And, and do you go to the specific, so is it like just close the door and leave baby or time checks or any type of crying? Any type of crying. When I, you know, it, babies, babies are built to want to be with their parents. You know, the, 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 the most comforting thing for a baby is to be with a parent. That's, that's what makes them feel safe. And so anytime a baby is, is left alone, and is crying, it's, it's very, you know, they, they get very stressed. They, babies are, are helpless and they know it. <laughs> they know that they can't get them out somewhere that they, you know, that they're, that you're their only source of food. It's not like they can make themselves a sandwich. And so, you know, when, when you're not there, that's stressful for them. And they may, they, you know, after a bit, they will stop crying because they feel they need to conserve their energy and, and, um, you know, so they kind of shut down in order to do that, but they're still very stressed. And we didn't know that before because we didn't have a way to measure stress. And now we do because we can measure their, their cortisol levels. Um, and, it, and it really shows, you know, it, it's really taught us a lot more about what's going on for that baby when it's left alone to cry. And I think... If I remember right, you mentioned that that was not the case when baby was crying but was being held. That's right. And it's fascinating. A baby who's, who's crying and is in the mother's arms is not nearly as stressed. Even though the baby's crying, it's not, it's not stressed in the same way that a baby crying alone is stressed. And the, one of the researchers even did a study with newborn babies um, one group being given a bath by the nurse and another group being given a bath by the mother. And the ones who were being bathed by the nurse were much more stressed than the ones who were being bathed by their mothers. And, you know, just that same kind of thing happening, (laughs) not very fun for the baby, but not particularly stressful as long as it was the mother that was doing it. And I think that's a great message to moms to realize how important you are to your baby. Even if your baby is crying, the fact that you are there and holding that baby means that the baby is comforted and and soothed and not stressed. Just your presence makes that difference to the baby. And that's, a, you know, it's a huge thing. You may not be able to magically um, stop the baby crying and calm him down, but you've relieved his stress just by being there. And I that's think that... What, that goes Love through, is, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's so powerful. And I think that um, that continues throughout our lives when we, you know, yes. call out for mom and you just want to cry and just want her yeah. to listen. <laughs> That's right. It's so true. You know, I see it. My children are grown and I see it with them. You know, they they have a bad day or something happens. I, they want to call. They want to, you know, and I can't fix it. I can't solve it. But being able to tell me about it and kind of, cry a bit or rant and rave a bit 
makes them feel better. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that starts right at birth. It's it's quite amazing. Yeah, there's no that, doubt about it. Moms um, make a difference. Yes, yes. Huge. Yeah, just just by being there. So all cool. you have to do. <laughs> it is cool. So, Teresa, how can listeners, if they want to get in contact with you, follow you, how can they stay in touch? Well, I do. I am on Twitter, though I'm. I'm. I wouldn't say I'm highly active, and my Twitter handle is what TP writes. So W H A T T P W R I T E S. Um, so that's probably the best way to, to follow me. Um, and I do sometimes post articles and things there. Um, and yeah, look on Amazon, see what I'm doing next when my next book comes out. I don't have one at the moment, but I'm working on a new one. So, um, what's what's that one? What's the idea well, behind it? Can we? We know? don't have a contract yet, so I mm-hmm. hate to say it, but we're we're okay. we, we're thinking of doing something on birth. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, we think it's, we think there's a need for a new birth book, believe it or not. And I know there's been lots out there, but we really want one that will help mothers find their way to the birth that's right for them. Yes. And that we, that's a whole nother show. That's a whole many shows to talk about. <laughs> yes. <that>. yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's close to my heart. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much for being oh, you're very welcome. here with us today and sharing your knowledge. It's always nice to talk to you. Thank you. And we will. Fun. Sorry, we will have, I think we have a little bit of a delay. We will have um, show notes where I'll include your Twitter handle and information on how people can get in touch with you if they so want. Yeah, that's great. That's great. That would be perfect. Thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts, or if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, tell me. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter. Even better, become a part of the Birthful community by subscribing at birthful.com. You'll get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive goodies. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another wonderful birth pro to help inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.